0: Hi, this is David Douglas, Managing Director of EBO, at the digital agency. EBO are the proud sponsors this year of Radio Molly and Molly's digital program. You're listening to Rider Presents, a Radio Molly production. This edition of Writer Presents was written and presented by Sarah Maria Griffin. Sarah Maria Griffin is from Dublin. She is the author of the novels Spare and Found Parts and Other Words for Smoke. She also makes scenes. Radio presents is produced with the support of the Arts Council. Ancora Allian. For more from Radio Molly, visit radio.molly.ie.
1: What is a zine? First things first. A zine is a piece of paper folded into a shape like a book, then photocopied and distributed to a select and limited audience. A zine is an obsolete medium of communication, once a bastion of subculture, risen to prominence during punk and hushed to silence at the dawn of social media. A zine is a method of spreading a message. A zine is a relic from a different time. A zine is a thing you make with your hands or a computer and a photocopier and a stapler and a scissors and your heart. A zine is a lifeboat. A zine is a place where you and me meet. A zine is a key a zine is a way to hold another person's thoughts in your hands a zine is a note that you pass covert down the back of class except the class is the world a zine is more like a blog than a book but more like a letter than a blog but more like a piece of origami than a letter but more like an installation than any of that like a tiny paper gallery that you can hold in your hands that you can visit attend to a zine costs a couple of cents to photocopy and takes about a minute to cut and fold but can take as long as you need to write a zine is a dispatch a telegraph a comic a navigation map a zine is pronounced with a sharp eye and sounds more like scream than fine and so it should to be honest a zine is a key did i tell you that a zine is a piece of history a zine is both ephemeral and permanent a zine is both content and discontent the opposite of the internet and a friend of the internet at once a zine is what you make of it a zine is a way to put yourself into paper folded into a shape like a book then photocopied, then distributed to anyone you think would like to read what you have to say. A zine is a part of yourself that you can take out and put into paper. A signal, a song, a poem, not obsolete. A zine is alive. One zine at a time. The medium and me. Let's call it 2004 up until today, in 2022. Give or take 18 years. A fine age. A drinking and voting age. More than half the length of my life. One. I don't remember my first zine what it was, or where I picked it up from. I only know that from the age of about 15 onwards, I collected them compulsively. I'm talking, you know, 2004, you know, a time that feels kind of like it's immediately behind me, but is actually almost two decades ago. I'm talking about before the internet was what it is today. Before blogs, during message boards at the clumsy dawn of social media. For context, you know, I mean. (laughs) The world felt very small to me back then. School and my job and, you know, that was about it. I was like a magpie, looking for keys that would let me out and away from my life. Books were helpful keys, sure. Scenes, though? Hmm... They were something special. They'd be left up at the counter of record stores around Dublin, or by the doorway on a windowsill by the flyers for club nights and gigs, beside the proud and glossy issues of Vice or Mongrel. Scrappy little things. Slices of people's lives. Sometimes they were free. Sometimes they'd cost a euro or two. I gathered them like weird treasure, kept them in shoe boxes hidden in my wardrobe, read them repeatedly, even the ones that I didn't like very much. They were all by people I'd never heard of, and mostly would never hear of again, often writing pseudonymously. Sometimes they were reviews, sometimes they were diaries, sometimes they were about Dublin or other places. Sometimes they were comic books, sometimes they were so tiny that they were simply one piece of paper folded up and centred around a single joke. They were very almost always in black and white. That telltale photocopier smudge and tone all over them. Sometimes their little spines were hand sewn. I remember one in particular being held together by wool, Mostly they were stapled, they were far, far from books. They were far from magazines too, they were something entirely their own. I already wanted to be a writer back then, in a way that felt deep and real. However, it never occurred to me even once that I could make a zine myself. I had everything in front of me to make a key of my own and I simply didn't know how. Time passed, I finished school, went to college, I kept collecting zines. I began to send my own writing into little ones around the city, hoping, hoping that I would eventually see myself in print. The first time I ever had a piece of writing published was in a broadsheet style zine called O. Francis. I was 19. It was printed like a newspaper, in pink ink. Looking at it now, it might have been a rhizograph. My name was there, in a real scene, in hot pink on paper. It felt like the world opening. A door, unlocked, 2012, I emigrated, to spend what would amount to three very important years in San Francisco. My life there was scattershot. I was a nanny, a babysitter, a mother's helper. I was an intern. I was a competitive spoken word poet. I was a pet sitter, a receptionist, a copywriter for about five minutes, the door girl at a monthly reading, A bookshop clerk, broke, bright-eyed, all over the place, homesick, clueless, jack-of-all-trades, master of exactly none. I lived in a vibrant district which was undergoing gradual and hungry gentrification, but it was studded with tiny punk spaces, galleries, speakeasies, and crucially, print shops. There was one up on 16th Street, pens and needles, the jewel in the crown. It was something that I had only experienced once before, a distro. A distro is a rare thing, a shop dedicated to the selling and sometimes printing of zines. There was briefly one in Dublin, my memories of which are so foggy that I wonder if I kind of hallucinated it, in Temple Bar Square above a skate shop. They sold records mostly, but had lots and lots of zines. Needles and Pens was different though, a bright minimal shop with wooden shelves all along the walls, which were absolutely stacked with zines. I was besotted with the place. Swinging in on my lunch break from my internship for a nose-around. Picking up one or two dollar zines to keep in my backpack for reading on the Muni. For keeping in my new zine stash, my American zine stash. My old Irish one was long passed down to my little sister. I attended zine fairs in community halls and ferry buildings. Bigger than the biggest supermarket you've ever been in. (laughs) Table after table, manned by Zenster after Zenster. I wanted to be one of them, but they all seemed so experienced. Many of them were artists, big on the internet, designers, or real writers. They had a kind of a secret knowledge, a distance from where I was. They seemed so fancy. (laughs) And while I was busy being many things back then... Fancy was not one of them. It was only at a poetry show, when a visiting poet was selling zines of their poems one night after the performance, like how a band would sell their CDs, that it occurred to me that not only did I have a place where I could sell zines in my neighbourhood, but I could also give them away or trade them for beers or other zines at my spoken word gigs too. I began to carefully take apart some of the zines I had bought to see how they were printed and folded. Were they one A4 page or two? Where did I have to patch the text so that if I folded this piece of paper in half it would read like a book? I bought a long-arm stapler for around $25, which felt like an insane amount of money to be spending on a piece of stationery at the time, in the Office Max down by Protero Hill. I still use it to this day. I found a print shop near my house, Mission Print, where I could photocopy the janky mother copies I produced at my desk, all glue sticks and good intentions. They were collages of text, really. And with a little origami magic, they became zines. I wrote one about my recently acquired kitten, who you may be able to hear in the background and is now definitely not a kitten, he's 10. I wrote one about an abscess that had appeared on my leg entitled, What is this thing on my leg? I wrote one about the freckles on my boyfriend's back and made the covers of each one of those from measured and cut pieces of map. I wrote one about a boat accident that I was in, shortly after the accident. I wrote one about having a bad temper. Everything and nothing. I bought old pulp romance novels and blacked them out using a sharpie to make poetry from the remaining text. The paper I used to print them on admission print was always a pastel colour, candy pink, mint green, baby blue. Which I think made up for how wonky their design was. I bundled them in see through children's party bags that I got at the dollar store, the kind you'd get after a birthday afternoon at the house of a classmate, stuffed with penny sweets and favors, you know, those kind of bags. And I sealed them with ribbon, which I curled using a scissors. I sold them for 2 or $5, depending, down at Needles and Pens. Traded them for beers after poetry gigs. I only stopped making them when I sold my first book. Everything became about the books from then on in. When I moved back to Ireland, I admittedly let them slip completely. You don't have to always be making zines for them to be a part of you, a part of your craft, your practice. They can appear and disappear. I'd gone to San Francisco to grow up, and I'd gathered a lot of plates to spin at once. The most important addition, the most important plate I think now, looking back through nanny, intern, pet sitter, Mother's helper, receptionist, poet, copywriter, clerk was Zeinster. Not fancy, but a Zeinster nonetheless. 3 I made my first zine in what would be around, I suppose, five years, six years, in September of 2019. I was overworked and burned out badly. All other writing felt like wading through psychic concrete. The love I'd once had for books was calcified by stress. It's really important that I tell you that when I sat down to make a zine this time, I was doing it for pleasure alone. For fun. Quite literally as a joke. I'd spent an evening crashed out on the sofa sending pictures to a friend of 1970s desserts, including fruit salads that featured bananas cut to look like dolphins. So I decided to make a zine entitled Peel Me Concerning Said Banana Dolphins. I really did not expect it to yield anything more than a night of distraction, let alone what it did pave the way for, including the audio that you're listening to right now. This time I didn't use glue sticks and paper. I used a piece of software called the Electric Zine Maker, developed by Natalie Lawhead, which remains one of the best things to ever happen to my creative life. I'll talk in more detail about the software a little later, but suffice to say, I put together a zine using images of these horrible little banana dolphins and some screen caps of texts from my friend, and it felt like the first time I'd laughed all year. There is a manifesto, written by a video game collective called the Arcane Kids, a list of principles under which they make their work. The second statement in this manifesto reads, The fastest way to the truth is a joke. That's something I think about all the time. Especially when I'm making zines. Alight with the feeling of having made something that felt good, felt true. I asked the internet, from my twitter account, if they would like a copy of my banana zine. 50 people said yes, so the first print run, produced on yellow paper, at reeds of Nassau street, went to 50 people in the post, priced at around 2 euro a shot. Folding the zines, stapling them with my beloved 2012 stapler putting them in envelopes with a little thank you note there was a deep good feeling a quiet feeling then i did a second print run then i wrote another zine and asked again would anyone like one and they said yes so I kept making them and sending them. And something began. The medium of the zine is very short. These particular zines were one A4 page folded in eight containing six tiny pages therein, This format for me rewarded a sort of first thought best thought impulsivity. It rewarded silliness. The stakes could not have been lower. It never felt like work. So I kept making them. Kept stuffing them into envelopes. Kept sending them out into the world, sometimes over a hundred at a time. It never felt difficult. Perhaps this is because the act of folding and cutting paper is deeply therapeutic. Perhaps because the act of holding something I'd written in my hands and then passing it on to people felt real, where so much of my other work had become unreal and overwhelming. Perhaps this is because it was something I could do in private, without talking into a microphone or in front of a room of people. My twenties in spoken word and adjacent to journalism felt like a different country to me by then. The crush of terror I felt while teaching and engaging with public speaking was new and ferocious. Zines meant I could say what I needed to say and express what lived inside me without the exposing experience of standing on a stage in front of a room full of strangers. The following early spring I did a little travelling. Full of good intentions for a fresh start to the year, a slower pace, a different direction, less plates to spin, that was what I'd hoped for, what I needed. No matter what happened though, I was now devoted to keeping the zines as a passion project while I moved towards something new. To something new, I was unknowingly moving towards, like the rest of the world, was a global pandemic. Ireland went into lockdown just after St. Patrick's Day. Seven days after that, I wrote my first pandemic report scene, entitled, creatively, The Seven Day Report. Then came the 16-day report, then the 32. On and on, days counted out. Suddenly I was writing this diary like the diary zines I'd read as a teenager. But the internet was my distro, my record shop, my art fair. I posted these zines all over the world. To Canada, to Chile, to Austria and Australia. (laughs) I printed them at home, while we waited for the case numbers to come in every day. I took photos of signage of the first hand sanitizer I found in a shop of masks on the ground. Writing about it and making zines about it helped me feel like I was doing something at a time when I could do almost exactly nothing but stay inside. They were like lifelines, suddenly their paper carried weight. This year, when I could travel again, I found that old impulse to seek zines rising up in me. In Berlin, at a tiny bar, I found a zine written by two men who'd been on holiday in Vienna, just sitting there in a little stack by the door. I read it under a dense canopy of trees, half-watching the city murmur along over the top of the pages. In Amsterdam, in a shop called Pansy, I stood in front of a tiny and delicate shelf full of zines written by people whose names I recognised from the internet, Hofi Ulrich, Harold Jones. I bought a zine called All Nighter by Ashley Ronning. all pink and green, written and drawn over 24 hours. The internet by this point had been my distro for, you know, a couple of years. It had been where I sought out zinesters to follow and read on Instagram and Pinterest, so standing in front of a little shelf full of them in real life felt great. There had been a zine fair in Galway as part of the Korch Festival, which I'd missed. So getting to see zines in the wild in different countries brought me back so closely to that old feeling, that needles and pens feeling. So just this August I was back in San Francisco for a friend from the old bookshop's wedding. Now ten years since I'd moved there. I recognise I'm talking about time a lot. But I think it's important for me to tell you that I have very much come into my adult life with zines in my pockets. With zines in my purse. With zines on my desk. And I visited needles and pens of course like a shrine to a different time in my life. San Francisco has changed, as any city will be in ten years, in a way that feels sore and heavy, but I took myself on a quiet pilgrimage through my old neighbourhood nonetheless. It was cold that week, a stark contrast to the heatwave in Dublin. I walked Valencia Street and Mission and 24th and 16th, this huge square of streets. I stared into the windows of newly empty storefronts, felt conflicted, tracing the footfall of myself back then. Eventually, I found myself outside a new shop, somewhere I only a little bit recognised, from another district it had moved. But here, huge and bold and bright, silver sprocket. It's a comic book shop but also an enormous zine distro. I was dumbstruck when I went inside and left almost an hour later with a tote bag full of zines by strangers, by anonymous people, by comic book writers, by poets, by activists. One was by the person who was working behind the counter. They told me it was their first zine, and I was so happy for them that I could hardly hold it in. It was a tiny, palm-sized zine, identifiably made in the Electric Zine Maker, much like how I make my own, about a cartoon from the 90s. It is a perfect, tiny work of fandom, a little paper altar to something that they cared about, and something that I care about, too. That zine is beside my desk now, A talisman, a portal, a piece of connective tissue between us. It connects me to that zinester, that place, that time, and further to my own work. It's important to just sometimes make a thing because you feel like it, you know. A tiny act of love, a laugh, an experiment an antidote to boredom. That act, that laugh, that experiment, that antidote can become someone else's, then. I bought silver sprocket stickers and I put them on my work notebook. There's a picture above the distro's address and below the name of three angels. They have pink skin and blue hair. One is laughing, one is focusing, one is surprised. They're gathered around a zine like a holy object, like something really special. Let's make a zine. An audio workshop. For me, sometimes what it takes to get started is just a little push. So consider this a little push. On the rare occasion that I get into a room to give a zine-making workshop, what I bring with me is something I've fondly started calling a portable zine factory. My house is the real zine factory, of course. My exhausted old printer, my Jenga tower of pastel blocks of A4 paper, my stacks of coloured envelopes, unknowable numbers of stickers, my good old long-arm stapler from San Francisco. When I get into a room to encourage or facilitate people to make scenes, I lay out some things. This is where I'm going to suggest we start. With the objects. They're probably ones you have in your house already. There isn't a lot of need to go out to pick up new things. At, at, at most I would say it's a pound shop job. Like I said before, it doesn't have to be fancy. Look for something to write with, some A4 paper of your choice. If it's lined or squared or from a fool's cap with little holes in the side, that's okay. I think it's nice to use paper with a bit of character to it. A good pen or pens or markers. Or some magazines to collect language from, if that's how you'd like to proceed. I think everyone should have some stickers around. I'm a big proponent of stickers. To start, though, you really just need the pen and paper. Or, if you feel more comfortable drafting your writing into a Word document or the Notes app on your phone, that's perfectly fine too. I'm more in the business of getting words out of people, not telling them the right or wrong way to put them down. On the Molly website, there will be some diagrams that will demonstrate how exactly to cut and fold a zine, because... Explaining how to fold and cut an A4 page over audio, well, that might end up confusing all of us far more than we need to be. Alternatively, if you have a laptop or a computer available to you, I wholly recommend downloading the Electric Zine Maker from itch.io. It's free, or pay what you want, which is very much in the spirit of zines, I think. Very DIY, very punk. That does all of the heavy lifting, formatting-wise, and gives great instruction on how to fold all manner of different shapes and sizes of zines. It allows you to upload photos and embed them. It allows you to colour things in. It's a lot of fun. Here, though, I'd like to talk to you about what exactly you put inside a zine. I think saying, oh, a zine can be about anything you want can be a little bit daunting. So what I'm going to do now is kind of a distance workshop. I'm here in your speaker and you're out there getting ready to make a zine. So let's say all you need to start off is a pen and paper. Let's not think about the making of the zine right this minute. Let's think about the writing of it. I'm going to ask you six questions, three times. You can pause the recording after each question to give yourself time to write, and then, when you're ready to move on to the next question, you can press play again. Isn't that nice? Kind of like learning languages at school. Some very slight interactivity. Also, hey, you don't have to answer all 18 questions, you can just answer six or twelve, or seven, or one, and then decide that you have an idea for a direction for your zine to go. There's no wrong way to do this. I'm just here to get you started. So why six? Well, the format of an eight-page zine, as I mentioned before, folded down from one A4 page, works like this. Two of those pages are the front and back cover where you should put your title, some images, your name or pseudonym, how to contact you if you fancy being contacted. But there are six interior pages. So if you answer six questions to build a tiny piece of nonfiction, a handheld essay, you have the contents exactly of a zine. If you do it three times over, you have three zines, and that's practically a body of work. So these questions are big ones, not small ones. But you can give as big or small of an answer as as you like, you know. They're not designed to be answered any particular way, so just go with what arrives first for you. Zines aren't about thinking too hard. They're just about following a feeling. Two of these sets of queries are serious, and one is silly. But honestly, they could all be serious, or all be silly. They're for you to do with what you wish. Okay? Right? (laughs) Let's get started. Zine 1. On memory. One. First... Can you tell me about a time when you forgot something important? Something that slipped away, only to come crashing back by surprise after the fact. Tell me about the, oh no, and tell me how it all turned out in the end. Two. Second, can you describe a sensory memory to me, call it up from wherever you store it in your body, a taste a smell, the feel of a fabric. Where does it bring you? Three. Third, is there a phone number you know off by heart that isn't your own? Can you tell me whose number it is and why it sticks in your head? When did you dial or text it last? Four. And next... Tell me a useless fact that you will never forget. Maybe even a silly fact. Tell me how you learned it. Where did it come from? When do you use it? Five. Now, near the end, tell me something that you remember that seems like everyone else has forgotten. 6. Last of all, is there a song that brings you back in time? What is it? How does it make you feel? Like dancing? Singing? Crying? (laughs) Like, wow? Like, this is a memory made sound? Zine 2. A party! Real or unreal, let's have one. 1. Tell me the guest list for a party you would love to throw. Full of real people or fictional people, or a delicious combination of both. Muppets, presidents, cousins, neighbours, school friends, the cast of your favourite TV show, the members of your favourite band. Whoever feels good to you under this papery roof. Two. Speaking of roofs, where is this party? Is it in your house? Your kitchen alone? The garden? Are we renting a venue? Are we going to the beach? Set the scene. Three. Then, thirdly, set the table... What are we eating? Is there a menu? Or is it just cocktails? Is it a potluck? Or are you laying out a four-course spectacular? Tell me what will be on the table either way. Four. Now that we have our location, fuel, and guests, please tell me something wonderful that you would like to happen at this party. Tell me a conversation you would love to overhear. 5. Look, we've all been at parties where there's been a row. Tell me who is having a scrap. Tell me where the drama is. 6. And last of all, at the end of the night, when everyone else has left or crashed, who is helping you do the dishes? Who is pouring you a cup of tea or a final nightcap? Who is the last man standing? Zine 3 These prompts are about sensation and texture. There are no right or wrong answers. 1. It takes a lot of very different things to make a crystal, but I always think of the pressure needed to make something so hard and shining. Can you tell me about a time you felt the pressure and shone? That the weight came down and you held it, becoming quartz, becoming gem? Two. I think that making patterns to wrap around ourselves is a deeply human act, an old thing, older than wool, older than needles, way older than zines. Can you tell me about strands that you weave together to make your home, to make a place comfortable, to make a place safe? Three. Can you tell me about a shock, a bolt from the blue? Can you tell me about the aftermath, too, after the smoke cleared and the air still smells like burning? Four. There are sand in the bottom of my shoes from a single visit to the beach at the start of the summer. Grit and grain. Can you tell me something that stuck around longer than you'd intended? That got under your skin? 5. Signal and noise always feel like aural, invisible texture to me. Tell me about a time you had to listen hard to find what you needed. A time when you had to tune yourself in to find the right channel. Six. One last thing after all this. Can you tell me about the softest thing you've ever felt? Something that made you softer just from the touch of it. A texture that changed you. 18 questions there some light, some heavy either way, I hope they helped I hope that wherever you are you are considering folding the answers to these up into the shape of a zine maybe photocopying it posting it to your friends maybe seeking out a distro wherever you are or a zine fair finding other zinesters and trading maybe you don't like to write but maybe next time you're in a new city you might keep your eyes open for a little shop that has zines on the wall or on the counter or by the door maybe you'll come through Dublin differently they're out there tiny paper keys there for the taking there for the making here are some books and websites that i've found helpful on my own zine and making things journey this is sort of a non-complete bibliography and will of course change and flex as websites go out of service and instagram accounts disappear but consider it just a potentially helpful place to get started if you'd like to look into making your own zines. The Stolen Sharpie Revolution A little red book licensed under Creative Commons by Alex Reck. This classic gives some good cultural context on the real history of the zine, how the whole movement started and got up on its legs, and also how zines live in the world today. What You Mean, What's a Zine? by Esther Thompson and Mark Todd is a wonderful companion to the Stone Sharpie Revolution. I have found it enormously useful. Both of these books contain detailed diagrams on how to fold different kinds of zines, as well as resources on how to approach public library services and copy shops and all of the etiquette involved in getting your zines printed and manifested and made into real holdable things. Syllabus by Linda Barry is one of my favourite books on creativity and creative practice, and reading it might give you the boldness to start making things with your hands, especially if you haven't done so in a while. Linda Barry has a lot of incredible things to say and incredible perspectives on what it means to make things that are imperfect and to travel through the frustrations you might have at making something that looks perhaps a bit like it was made by a child. Wreck This Journal, by Kerry Smith, is a classic creative object and a wonderful place to build confidence messing around with paper. It really would like you to make a mess, to make something holy all over the place. On Instagram and Pinterest, I generally follow the zines hashtag, but I love Girl Zine Fair, a project by Lou Williams, especially. For art zines in Dublin, hen's teeth and damn fine print are great places to have a look around. The Instagram account nice Zines is also full of wonderful resources. From there, you'll be able to find many other zinesters and zines and events and even printing services. The best way to gather resources is to find what works best for you. So hopefully some of these books and websites and accounts might be uh, of use in terms of getting started. So thank you for listening. I hope there are some zines in your future written or read or found or given.
0: This edition of Writer Presents was written and presented by Sarah Maria Griffin and produced by Ian Dunphy and Benedict Schlepper-Connolly. It was edited and mixed by Ian Dunphy and the music was composed by Benedict Schlepper-Connolly and performed by the composer with Nathan Sherman. Writer Presents is produced with the support of the Arts Council, on Allian. If you've enjoyed this programme, do consider buying MOLLY Membership for yourself or a friend. It's the best way to support the museum and our programming. Visit molly.ie forward slash membership to find out more. For more from Radio Molly, visit radio.molly.ie.